When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Turf Show Times, the podcast, the instant reaction show where every week and for the last time this season, we get together and talk about the Rams game following whatever contest they just had. And since the Rams are not going to the playoffs, which we already knew, this is the last such instant reaction show following a game for the 2022 season. And we won't have to uh, do this again until, I guess, August a preseason game at the uh, soonest. So we will have other things to react to. The Rams consistently have exciting off seasons. So maybe something will happen in the future. Maybe we'll be talking about Sean McVay's future in the near future. But for now, it's the Seahawks beating the Rams 19 to 16 in overtime. The Rams gave Seattle everything they had in Seattle. Looked for a moment there or for a while like, this, the Rams were pretty typically, you know, just making the Seahawks look bad as Sean McVay has been accustomed to, even without Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and so on and so on. Jalen Ramsey starring out for most of the game here, and there was a lot of reason to think that the Rams were going to win this game and end Seattle's playoff hopes, but ultimately Baker Mayfield intercepted in overtime. And the Seahawks gaining enough yards on that final drive in overtime to get into field goal range after Jason Myers had missed a field goal at the end of regulation, able to get close enough to ensure that he would not miss his second chance. And so the Seahawks do pull out a win here. There's not a ton, I think, to talk about with regards to this game, as I think the Rams and a lot of Rams fans are ready to just put the season behind us and to think about what is the future of the Rams going to look like. And a lot of that will, of course, center around the decision for Sean McVay of whether or not he's going to retire or walk away from the game for a while, at least, um, or whether or not he's going to come back. Because, you know, most teams, and especially this team, centered around an identity of the head coach. So a lot hinges on that decision. And certainly going out on a note like this one would have not been McVeigh's first choice. So the Rams do end the season at 5-12, and 12, the most losses ever for a Super Bowl champion, defending Super Bowl champion, and now a new Super Bowl champion will be crowned in February. J.B., was this did this feel at least like uh, a fight for the Rams? You know, they didn't go out with a whimper. Um, did it at least feel like the Rams were putting together an argument to be made that they aren't, uh, you know, that they aren't a typical five and 12 team, that there is some reason to think that the Rams, you know, are still a good team that's just had a lot of bad breaks? Or would you say, that the game was close because these teams are always pretty close and the Seahawks and Geno Smith 
really threw some really bad passes and just didn't play all that well offensively. Well, I think the Rams were competitive, but they have been all season despite, you know, missing a lot of their star players and really putting out their preseason roster on this field for like for, you know, a lot of these games. And whether it was Bryce Perkins against the Chiefs and you were completely outmanned, you kept that game competitive. And yeah, you've always your star players that you have on the field that are that remain Bobby Wagner and Jalen Ramsey really showed out. And then on offense, Cam Akers has been putting the team on his back over the last month, and he's been the sole point of production on that offense. So uh, the last two weeks, they've had almost as many rushing yards as passing yards, which in this modern NFL where everything favors being able to pass the ball and you have an advantage over the defense inherently, uh, it's really unusual to see that. But whenever you were without Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson's the number one receiver, uh, this passing attack has been incredibly anemic. Over the last month, after that Broncos game on Christmas Day, outside of that, they really haven't been able to get much going. So, yeah, I think whatever happened in this game, we just wanted to see the Rams be competitive. They were. Um, whether this is Sean McVay's last game, you know, time will tell, and there'll be a lot to talk about. But with in the NFL, it's such a league of parity that each offseason brings a renewed sense of optimism. So now we can, instead of wellering in the sadness and maybe the unfortunate things that have unfolded over the course of this year, we can turn to 2023 and really understand how the Rams might be able to have a quick turnaround just as they did from 2016 to 2017 in Sean McVay's first season. But uh, as good as he did turning that team around, that it just shows how important he is that maybe the degree of difficulty doing this without him would be very high, especially in the current state of the Rams where you have a 35 year old quarterback, you have aging stars on defense. Aaron Donald's also contemplated his own retirement. And, you know, one of the, aspect from this game that I'm, I kind of find of intriguing or maybe disappointing is as good as Baker Mayfield's been at times with the Rams this season, really reasserting himself, maybe as a starting quarterback in the NFL and the work he's done so he can hit free agency this, this spring. Uh, the lasting impression of him is going to be that interception where it could have been easily the game winning touchdown to Van Jefferson and said, maybe puts too much air underneath that ball. Uh, it's a, you juxtapose that against last week when Cam Biggers was open on the wheel route and he maybe didn't put enough air under that ball where he makes the opposite error today ends up being the interception that gave the Seahawks life. And they went down to hit the game winning field goal after that. So that's the lasting impression of Baker Mayfield when he enters a life changing period of free agency. And maybe uh, teams are going to get stuck up on that. And uh, it's just something to, we're going to have to watch that unfold, see where things go. Yeah. You know, you, you make uh you bring up an interesting moment in the game, obviously one that people will talk about. I, I talked about it as well, which is the the Baker Mayfield interception in overtime. And, you know, it's funny because we, we just see the broadcast view of it and, and soon people will watch the all 22 of it. But it's funny, the booth, you know, being able to see the full field, if you're there seeing the full field, I'm sure as soon as Baker Mayfield let go of that pass, you're looking down the field or you're looking at the field and saying, what's he throwing to? And then all of a sudden, I'm sure everybody saw a wide open Van Jefferson without anyone 10 yards, 15 yards, anywhere near him. And so for Quandre Diggs to be able to catch up to that pass, you would just think like, it's not the throw that the, you know, top 20 quarterbacks in the NFL make, you know, they don't make, throw an interception on that one. They, they, they throw a, a pass. It's like, I got this guy, you know, and that, that's the thing too, where it's like, I have a very high bar for starting quarterbacks. So if I'm talking about, you know, an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes or something like that, why not? You know, you were talking, we're here to win the Super Bowl, you know? So uh, certainly I think that is such a, a clear definition of Baker Mayfield, which is despite all the talent, despite some 
good performances and some good throws, a quarterback may only be defined on his five or three to five worst plays of a game. Because as we saw on both sides today with Geno Smith for the Seahawks, you know, he throws two interceptions, throws several, uh, at least a couple others directly at Rams players and uh, was either bailed out by his receivers or by the Rams or whatever it is. So I think both quarterbacks playing pretty poorly in this game, and you will be defined by those mistakes that you make. And so Baker Mayfield, you know, with the Rams, for the most part, outside of that game against the Broncos, outside of needing fourth quarter heroics uh, against the Raiders, um, just I, I still cannot fathom beyond any stretch of the imagination. If you were talking about Baker Mayfield, Anything that happened after he was the number one pick, if you weren't allowed to tell people that he was the number one pick or a first round pick, if you weren't allowed to tell people that he was a Heisman winner and a star in college, and you had to focus on his last couple of years, what in the world would be the argument for Baker Mayfield to get a starting job in the NFL? I just don't see it. Um, In his last eight games between the Panthers and the Rams, You know, he has six touchdowns, five interceptions, um, just some of the worst numbers in the NFL. And look, he's in a very difficult circumstance playing without, what are we down to, a fourth string left tackle, third and fourth string guards, backup centers, no Cooper Cup, no Allen Robinson. But at the end of the day, if you have a wide open Van Jefferson to, to win the game, get into field goal at the worst, get into field goal range. You know, it's just kind of, uh, that's where the circumstances land. Um, so I guess, you know, for me, if we're, if we're kind of wrapping up Baker Mayfield's time with the Rams, I'm still leaning towards, he doesn't get such a crazy offer that he necessarily has to walk away from the Rams as a backup. Um, maybe Sean McVay's future, uh, depends on Baker Mayfield's decision, whether or not he wants to stay with a McVay offense, uh, and not being, and we'll see if, if McVay wasn't here, whether or not he would move on. So, you know, I think for now, I'm still seeing Baker Mayfield as a, as a player who similar to maybe Jameis Winston, um, is kind of just like, you'll get a shot. Maybe, maybe you won't, but like, I don't see anyone handing over a job to him. Uh, what would you say is your like kind of final call on Baker's, uh, free agency? No, I tend to agree with you. And he's in that Jameis Winston boat where um, there's going to be a team that just needs a quarterback, whether they draft a rookie or they just need someone to come in and compete for a job. And if that's what he wants to do, that's his prerogative to go into a situation like that. But maybe as we talked about, the long-term benefit for his career might in the best move might be to stay behind a quarterback like Matthew Stafford, who has had his fair share of injury troubles, has trouble staying on the field, probably can't be expected to play 17 regular season games, 17 regular season games in full. And, you know, if you stay with the Rams, you're probably going to have chances to play. You're going to assume the supporting cast is a lot better than what it's been through the stretch of four or five games that you've had this season. And that's a chance for you to show out. So maybe one or two years down the line, you're more prepared to go to a team that can plug you in and have a good supporting cast around you. And maybe you're a viable starting quarterback at that point. But uh, the just recent last two years with Mayfield suggests that he's not quite there yet. And he really needs to rehabilitate his image. Maybe the Rams is the right place to do that. But I agree with you that um, maybe he, if he wants to be the Jameis Winston, um, go ahead and go do that. But even Winston, who maybe took less to stay with the Chargers or the Char- or the Saints and the Saints kept him around the last two years, uh, was easily replaced by Andy Dalton, who's took over, who took the reins at that point. And uh, what's Winston's stock at this point? It's got to be pretty minimal. 
It's really, yeah, it has to be really low. Um, and, you know, I think when you look at where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were in 2020 and after that uh, 2019 season, Mayfield, uh, Winston, you know, he, he led the NFL in passing yards. He threw 30 plus touchdowns or 30 touchdowns, had 30 interceptions or whatever. So it was just an insane amount of interceptions. And, you know, there was thoughts of, well, the Bucs could just keep Winston and, and just keep working on him getting better. And look, three, three years later, you know, we know that the Bucs were better off going with Tom Brady. We know that Winston has spent a lot of time on a bench and he got benched for Andy Dalton this year. So I, it's a really tough uh, call. I think it, it's the easiest thing to just say, Baker Mayfield, hey, after five years in the NFL, you just might not be a starter ever. Um, and the Seahawks do have a really bad defense. So there is that part of it where you're saying it wasn't like he was going up against the Legion of Boom here. Um, so yeah, just see what you can work out. Uh, as far as Sean McVay, if you were Sean McVay or if you tried to uh, tap into your uh, knowledge of Sean McVay, who you see Sean McVay as, as a head coach and a person, is there any, do you think that there was anything hinging on this game? And if you were some, hinging something on this game, do you think that losing like this or losing the game at all, does it make you as Sean McVay go, I don't want to go out like this. I need to come back and make sure that I, you know, have a legacy that says he went out at least with a, with a team that was in the playoffs and contending for something, or does it make you feel like, this team has got a lot of work to do. I'm exhausted. I could always uh, have a future in the NFL, even if I walk away right now. Um, how do you feel like the, the tone of this game was if you're Sean McVay? Well, individually, I'm not sure this game really affects the outcomes in terms of Sean McVay's decision-making. But, you know, last season was the first 17-game regular season that we had, and then the Rams played four games on top of that. So, I mean, that's, that's just stretches the year out by another month. And all these teams that make head coaching hirings and they have to fill their coaching staff, you're behind the eight ball on that. You're behind the eight ball on the draft scouting process and free agency. And, you know, whenever you have to hurry up and catch play catch up on all those things, um, you really don't get to take a personal break. And uh, but then you have another 17 game season that's really dawning on you. You have all these injuries right from the get go from week one, uh, where you lose, you know, Brian Allen, the one of the first plays of the game, right? And then it just snowballs after that. So, and the Rams have really been in a, like a fire sale mode in order to, you know, find players off the street, get them ready to play. And uh, you're plugging receivers in, you're plugging linemen in on defense. You're really thin at the secondary in certain spots. So I'm sure it has been a very challenging year for Sean McVay. I have no doubts about that, but maybe in some ways, this short season where you don't have a playoff stretch is more of a blessing for the coach. He can take a step back. Before, you know, all these teams, the first couple rounds of the playoffs, they're getting eliminated. Teams are conducting those head coaching interviews. You can fill out your coaching staff before those decisions are made. And uh, maybe that allows you to, you know, have a month break that you wouldn't have gotten last year. You can really dive into the draft process, free agency, and go from there. But I just think without having his best shot, you know, Matthew Safran played half a season. Cooper Cup's season was abbreviated. Aaron Donald was shut down prematurely as well. Uh, I just think that he... Uh, he's such an avid competitor that not being able to give it his best shot. And I think maybe having a, another run in 2023, maybe a last hurrah just to show the world what they can do when they're all in full force really is too much for him to pass up. But 
Um, maybe he's just that burnt out and he really needs to take a break. And I wouldn't blame him for that at all. As we're uh, talking here, uh, Mike Florio, pro football talk on the uh, NBC pregame for Lions Packers. He's saying, quote, there's a growing sense that Sean McVay will step down. My understanding is it's not because of burnout or because he wants to get into TV. He won a Super Bowl and now he's facing a multi-year rebuild that he just doesn't want to be a part of. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, people in especially in the social media age who spread just gossip, rumors, uh, say things that are not fact checked, everything like that. I don't put Mike Florio in that category. I put Mike Florio in a category of he will not let you know when he's speculating, which is plenty of times. And he'll let you know when he has a feeling that something is real. And, you know, to say that that's the sense of what's going on here. And it kind of does line up with the fact that the Rams are coming off of a five and 12 season. Not just that JB, the Rams in seven of their eight losses, or seven of their nine, uh, excuse me, not obviously they've lost more than eight games, uh, but in I think in eight of their games that they lost, it's just wasn't it was like 15 points or more. It was like not even competitive, you know. So you've got this game against the Seahawks, and the Seahawks had lost what five of seven or something like that. Um, what are your thoughts here on Mike Florio saying that there is uh, a growing sense that Sean McVay will step away because he doesn't want to spend next year potentially for a losing team trying to get them back, especially we know that the Rams have cap issues. We know that the Rams have players over 30 that are taking up that cap. We know that there's no first round pick this year. So if you're if you're looking at the Rams in the in the worst case scenario where the Rams say go five and twelve again next year, get at the number five pick in the draft, it could be a couple more years after that that they're competitive again. What are your thoughts there? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I agree with you on Mike Florio. I really put him in the in one ear, out the other type category. But maybe you have to ask yourself on these reporters who are really tapped into the Rams. And, you know, we write about these breaking news pieces all the time where uh, you have to the sources are it usually comes to people like Peter Schrager, Jay Glazer. I trust they're reporting on Fox much more than I would Mike Florio. And so I, I agree with you on that point. But uh, if if that is really true, that the Rams are headed towards a massive rebuild and Sean McVay doesn't want to be a part of it. Uh, like the whole point of Matthew Stafford potentially turning the Rams into the Lions. Like, I think at that point, we could say the transformation's complete because he got out of Detroit, so he didn't have to go through another rebuild. And here we are with the Rams, where that's the bleak situation that you're looking at. On the flip side, the Lions, they're eliminated from the playoffs with the Seahawks victory, right? But uh, they're really trending in the right direction. They look like they're going to be a real contender next year. And the quarterback you sent them, to just finish the last, you know, six to eight games without throwing an interception. And he looks, he's playing the best football of his career, probably. So if that's the situation we're heading for, a full rebuild, uh, you're looking at guys like Cooper Cup and Jalen Ramsey that probably aren't going to be part of this team anymore. You're looking at retirement of Aaron Donald and a real snowball effect. Bobby Wagner, you can probably put him in that category too, where you're going to have to say goodbye to these guys. You're going to have to accumulate draft capital. And 
then you have the whole part of the the rebuild process that you know fans get excited about draft picks, but you actually have to you know hit on those draft picks. And it's a lottery type effect where you know those are fifty fifty propositions, and a lot of times even in the early rounds of the draft that um, if you don't hit on those draft picks, even though you maybe traded away some star players in order to acquire them, uh, this could really be a long haul. And after the Shami Bay turned around this team so quickly in twenty seventeen, you really could see it fall apart rather fast as well. Sean McVay also saying after the game that Russ Yeast uh, is in the hospital in stable condition with a pulmonary contusion, um, which uh, looks to be a lung injury from uh, my Google search. So I'm not a, obviously a doctor, but uh, obviously we uh, send we're just hoping for the best there with Russ Yeats, just some late breaking news, I guess there, obviously the NFL on, on very sensitive alert with all injuries and everything following last week's uh, terrible situation in Cincinnati. But uh, it sounds like Russ East is in stable. Well, it does. I'm sure he's in stable condition. That's what they're saying. But uh, yeah, so that's some, some more breaking news there for Russ East. Um, and again, the end of the season couldn't come soon enough for the Los Angeles Rams. And right now, you know, their pick that's going to the Detroit Lions sitting at sixth overall. So the Lions will get the sixth overall pick in the 2023 draft. Um, what would you do, uh, JB, if you if, if the Rams had that pick? Obviously, we'll never know because that pick and all that went through to get it you know, they wouldn't necessarily have the same pick if they didn't trade for Matthew Stafford, and they probably wouldn't have won the Super Bowl last year, although, again, that's debatable. But uh, if the Rams did have the number six pick, what's the the direction you would go in? Trade up for a quarterback or something like that? Trade down because the Rams have so many needs? Uh, just stick and, and take the best pass rusher or offensive tackle or something? Uh, what would you like to do with that pick? Well, I guess in the current iteration of this team where you hopefully expect to get back into contention in 2023 with incremental improvements, you have to look at edge rusher because I think that's number one offseason priority. But if this team is truly headed to a full rebuild and whenever you're in the top 10 of the draft and you're high up in the order, you don't know when you'll be back in that position. You hope not ever. Right. But whenever you find yourself in that spot, you have to take your quarterback because that can just transform the future of your franchise for the next 10 to 15 years. And so even if you already have a quarterback that you feel good, like the Bears with Justin Fields, who is a dynamic, a dangerous athlete, hasn't really shown much as a passer, but yet, but maybe he could next year. But how many times are you going to pick number one overall? And you just have to take more dart throws. You have to go after it, even though it's really uncomfortable to move on from someone who's already shown a lot of promise. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, I uh, agree. I think, uh, we just, it's only, uh, it's only something that we can, you know, unfortunately only something we can um, hypothesize and fantasize about. And there's a lot of different directions the Rams could go and if they had that pick. And, and for now the Rams still have their 2024 pick. And we know that there's any number of directions that the Rams could go in. It's just so hard JB to even predict what the Rams are going to look like next season in terms of their win loss record, because if all things were equal, 
if we were just kind of like, hey, this is a normal time and a normal era of football and nobody's ever talked or even thought about Sean McVay retiring or Aaron Donald retiring or Matthew Stafford, you know, not being able to, you know, stick it out for a full season or and come back and everything like that. Then we could just sit there and go, look, it's been a bad year with injuries and the Rams are going to be fine next year. Um, and maybe that's true. But maybe it's not. Maybe the Rams are five and twelve because they earned five and twelve, and that things are going to be continuously difficult if the head coach, you know, if Raheem Morris is the head coach next year, and if uh, you know, uh, and Matthew Stafford gets hurt in the preseason, you know, the worst case scenario is pretty bad. Um, but if we had to do that, um, and by the way, I guess if I if the Rams had the top six pick right now, I guess. I would definitely try and take the best player available, get a blue chipper in there, and you really can't go wrong at any position. Um, maybe a guy like Peter Skaronsky, the left tackle out of Northwestern. I'm not really an expert uh, on scouting these guys, um, so I'm kind of just going off of other reports, I suppose. Uh, but in general, I guess, to the idea of getting a franchise left tackle when you don't have a franchise left tackle um, has always appealed to me. Um, So there's that side of it. But as far as trying to think about expectations for next year or the way too early expectations for next year, where do you think you stand JB? Well, before your report from Mike Florio, I really thought this team could make incremental improvements, find an extra on defense, maybe add some depth into the secondary and then maybe find some more receiving threats on offense. But uh, with the way K-Makers finished this year, and he's playing with this injury-riddled offensive line, so if you inject your healthy starters back into that with the way K-Makers has been playing, this is most likely the best rushing attack Matthew Stafford's ever had in his entire career. And that's you know a 13- to 14-year history, right? So uh, I think I was pretty optimistic in that way. But you could also make the argument that this cupboard's pretty bare. And if Sean McVay really doesn't want to move on, go through this and go through the rebuild, Maybe the Rams even think about trading their head coach if he's not retiring and going to broadcasting. So you could maybe leverage some of these star players and tear down to the studs pretty quickly and accumulate a lot of draft capital that way. Maybe how the Miami Dolphins did not so long ago whenever they were tanking and going through that period. So uh, I I can talk myself almost into a complete disaster, but I can also talk my, which this year was pretty close, right? I mean, if it wasn't for Baker Mayfield, you probably would have won two less games and you would have been two and 14 instead of five and 12. So Mm -hmm. um, or three and 12 instead of five and 12, but um, yeah, I can talk myself in either way, but it really just ultimately depends on what, where the Rams go with that head coach. Yeah, you know, that's why I think, you know, we don't have much else to say tonight. You know, it's it's, it's so much depends on the future that, of things that are to steal quotes about Sean McVay in limbo. You know, so everything is in limbo right now. I don't see a way that Sean McVay, I mean, I guess I do because Sean Payton and Bruce Arians, you know, they weren't exactly early uh, or, you know, they didn't exit early on in the off season necessarily. So um, maybe everything's fine. I don't see any internal candidates uh, for the Rams that would be the right choice. I could be wrong about that. You know, I remember in 2017, Sean McVay's hiring was ranked as one of the worst of the off season. Um, I, I, I'm try, I always, I always remember who the the top ranked guys were. And now I can't pull it off the top of my head, the 2017 head coaching cycle, but I remember, I think maybe Chip Kelly or something like that. Those were the guys that were like rated as very good. So you never really know 
who the good hires are, who the bad hires are, in my opinion. Um, and Sean McVay was not considered, it was considered a risk because of his age and his experience and all this. And I don't know. So you could potentially be fine with someone like Thomas Brown, but if it's up to me, I guess I would think you could go out and get a guy like Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator. He's familiar with Matthew Stafford, worked together for a couple of years, um, is going to be popular on this interview cycle. But that just all comes down to my point, which is I don't know if Sean McVay can take four days to make a decision here. Within 24 hours or within, you know, 15 hours of me saying this sentence, two to three or four more head coaches will be fired. And the Colts and the Panthers and the Broncos are already searching. So how long can you really wait if you're potentially going to, you know, lose out? You know, if if the we know that the Lions aren't going to make the playoffs. So Ben Johnson is going to get interviewed this week, I assume, or next week or whenever that is. Doesn't have to wait for any playoff stuff. You know, some of these guys are going to be available right away. Uh, so uh, JB, in terms of uh, Sean McVay's decision or the Rams going out there and looking for the next guy, you know, uh, you think it's probably got to hopefully like maybe not wait that long. No, you nailed it. I had that same thought this morning, whenever the reports kept piling in before the the noon games, right? The 10 o'clock games. But I mean, Stan Kroenke has spent two and a half billion dollars on a stadium, $5 million on the development surrounding it. Uh, if Sean McVay moves on as superstar head coach, probably the one of the best head coaches in Rams franchise history, you're not going to go out and replace him with maybe a Ben Johnson from Detroit or one of these coordinators, first time head coach hires you have to almost go for a Sean Payton or Jim Harbaugh, a Dan Quinn, uh, some veteran head coaches with experience, someone who can really come in and transform a program almost immediately uh, because there's just too much at stake where if the Rams are bad for the next two to three years, not even competitive, and the Chargers with Justin Herbert really are, uh, you could really like redistribute the, the scales in terms of the battle for LA and maybe the Chargers become the darling. And that's just not something that's not an outcome Stan Kroenke can afford whenever he's, he's poured everything into this future with SoFi Stadium. The Rams have to be exciting. The Rams have to be competitive and they'll open up the pockets and do whatever, do whatever it takes to get there. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, ever since the Rams moved to Los Angeles in 2016, trading up for Jared Goff, uh, you know, even hiring Jeff Fisher before then to set up the Rams for the eventual transition into Sean McVay, all the money that they spent and all the moves that they made in 2017 when they hired Sean McVay, becoming immediately competitive, going to two Super Bowls, having the Rams win a Super Bowl at home last year, you know, getting the Super Bowl in SoFi, and then the Rams training for Matthew Stafford the year before, all setting it up and, and just being a, a nice storybook ending there. And there's nothing more true to me than the fact that the NFL wants football to work in Los Angeles. And, you know, it'll be more ideal for them to have two competitive teams playing in SoFi Stadium than one and definitely more than zero. And, you know, it doesn't matter if the people showing up to the games are Rams fans or 49ers fans or Chargers fans or Raiders fans or Patriots fans or Eagles fans. None of that matters to the NFL. To the NFL, you want the people to travel to Los Angeles and Las Vegas to watch those games 
to find uh, to watch their favorite teams play a good team in another stadium um, and to to keep traveling there, to get attention there, to have primetime games there. And I don't even know how you put the Rams on primetime next year, risking bad games like we saw in primetime week one against the Bills, 31 to 10, or what was pulled last week against the Chargers, 31 to 10 off of the primetime schedule. So I think that I agree 100%. The NFL wants the NFL to work in L.A., um, and, and they're going to keep, and Stan Kroenke needs it to work and he just wants to make money so that they're not done here. They're not going to just give in and roll over and die. Um, and it's going to be, uh, a dog fight for the best, uh, coaching candidates and players and all that out there. So I think the decision has to come within 24 hours, 48 hours. Um, and I think Sean McVay is leaning one way and to me, it's okay to have a little bit of smoke, but I rarely, if ever, see Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter, Jay Glazer, Mike Florio, Peter Schrager, all on the same page before Sean McVay makes an announcement, um, before anybody says anything. Everybody seems to be throwing its, to its logs on the same fire so that's why I think maybe Sean McVay is going to announce that he is stepping away. Um, and that's why, I mean, again, like you write, I write something like this or people, we cover this at Turf Show Times and people go, this is clickbait. This is how dare you. We didn't write any Sean McVay retirement stories until Friday. Not all during the rumors last year, not the year before that, 2020. Uh, he was rumored, you know, it wasn't even rumored. ESPN was contacting him about Monday Night Football. None of that had to be covered. Now everybody is talking about the same thing. So either Sean McVay comes back and says, yeah, I almost left. I decided not to, or he doesn't come back. There can't be any, I never even thought about this because he's not even, he's not even throwing water on the fire. He's not even trying to do that. After the game today, it sounds like his quotes were right now I'm focused on the Rams and I'll deal with that stuff later. Sounds not very promising about his return to the Rams. So I'm expecting that we may be back here doing another podcast by Monday talking about what the Rams are going to do after Sean McVay. Although I, I have no, and I'm no dog in the five. Okay. I, he should stay or maybe he feels like he should go. And if he should go, if he feels that way, then he definitely should go. So, you know, that's what we'll see uh, whether or not it happens. Um, so before we get out of here, JB, yeah. What are your final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, as someone who followed the team all the way to their St. Louis days where they were almost inept and a historically bad franchise in terms of winning and losing, so grateful for the winningness, the winning culture that Sean McVay's instilled in this team and what he's done over the last six years. And it honestly would be maybe like borderline heartbreaking to watch him move on, especially if it's because, you know, the team thinks they have to rebuild and he doesn't want to be a part of it and he can go somewhere else where he can help win and, and, and stay competitive. And that's his prerogative, and he can absolutely go do that. Uh, I just hope that this team, if Sean McVay does move on, that they're going to go find a proven commodity at head coach. And I think Sean Payton's the first guy you turn to where he wants to be in L.A. And there were two months ago, it seemed like that was going to be the Chargers job that was going to open up. And quickly, it's that's dissolved, and they they really turned things around, made the playoffs. And you know, now now we're zeroing in on Sean McVay in that opening. So I think Sean Payton be, has to be your guy. If you lose your, your you lose Sean McVay at head coach, you can't hire a first time coordinator. You can't hire you can't turn to Raheem Morris or Thomas Brown. Um, and we'll see what happens. 
Rams lose 19 to 16, fall to five and 12 on the season. Cam Akers, third straight 100 yard game. So he's got that going for him uh, going into the offseason. Expect at least maybe a couple of these guys back next year that have been out for so long. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the Rams look like in a couple months. But for now, we're uh, just waiting to hear some word from Sean McVay. And uh, it'll be interesting, if nothing else, as usual, to talk about the L.A. Rams this offseason. So hit subscribe on the Turf Show Times, the podcast, on your podcast apps. We'll be back after Sean McVay's announcement in either direction. And uh, we'll keep checking in regularly with whatever's going on with the Rams, because if there's a head coaching search or uh, whether it's the uh, futures of some of these players like Aaron Donald, um, we will be here. So that's it for this episode of Turf Show Times, the podcast. Come back and be ready at any moment for the next episode of Turf Show Times.